Everybody and welcome to episode three hundred and one of Forty Going On Fourteen. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel, and I'm Josh. And apparently, banging pots together and shrieking at the top of your lungs is not considered a quote unquote live music performance. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> what? Try, trying to release your inner Rupert? Ah, thank you. Nice reference. Thank you. Your references are off the hook. The hook. Everybody knows that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this week, if that didn't show you, we are talking about live music, uh, live concerts, live things that we have seen, uh, participated in, maybe performed in, that sort of thing. Let's uh, see how far. Oh, wait. <laughs> we forgot about performance. Joel has to make another three goddamn page list. <laughs> it's going to be a six-hour show. Five of it is Joel. Yeah. <laughs> and then I do this... And I was a harmonica player for that. And I did that one thing with that one guy. If you like harmonica players, and who doesn't, you might also like the shows on the Podcast Collective, such as Joel's own The Sunshine Happy Pants Hour, The Internet with Scott the Pool Boy, Tales from the Hard Side, Mom and the New Dad, and of course, The Rad Dad Radio Hour. Welcome to the John Popper podcast. <laughs> all harmonica, all the time. See whether or not you like harmonica. He was pretty damn good. Yeah. No, dude got skills. Yeah. You know, you know, he had the lap band surgery and lost so much weight that they went on tour. People like almost revolted because he went on stage and started playing harmonica, and people would be like, "We want the fat guy." <laughs> <laughs> he was guy sucks. <laughs> All right, yeah, if you're looking for our older stuff, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, Takshu, Podverse, FM, and uh, Podchaser, head out there and uh, leave us a review. Leave us a review on iTunes. I hear some people still go there once in a while. And uh, if you want to give us a call, you can hit 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Or if you go on Facebook, you can hit Call Now. If it's on your phone, it'll just dial us. And then you can be like... Oh, I'm being hunted. Who am I going to call? Oh, I'm on Facebook. I'm going to call the guys and leave them a voicemail as I get eaten by wolves. You'll have to actually be on our Facebook page, though. You can't just go to Facebook and click call now and automatically be connected to us. We're not quite that hooked up yet. (laughs) (laughs) Wolves made the yummy noise. (laughs) Oh, God. Ah, uh, yeah. So live music. We're gonna get to there soon. In the meantime, it's we the, do wait, have we, oh we have a voicemail. We have a yeah. voicemail. That's Second right. Week in a row. Woo wee! Yeah. Thank you Woo-hoo. guys. All right. So here we go. Voicemail from listener Luke. <gasps> hey, this is Luke, formerly of Chicago. Let's not talk about that. I have been getting caught up, and I had some listener feedback. Number one, perhaps the reason you're not getting as much listener feedback is because there is now a Google Voice prompt when you call that asks for your name and then passes well to voicemail. That might be scaring some people away, like me the first time I tried. Number two, so thanks to The Prisoner Show, I started watching The Prisoner, and it's actually really good. So thank you, Pat, for <gasps> for the prisoner because I've actually been enjoying watching it. And number three, who was it who just called Cedric the Entertainer Cedric 
Yarborough, like Cedric, and then how do you mess up Cedric but not mess up Yarborough? Is is confusing. But anyway, I have been enjoying the show while I have been catching up, and been looking forward to hearing more. And I am not a dumbo. I am a thinking butt to the front. <laughs> wow, haven't heard for, uh, about butts to the front in a while. Yeah. If Luke's not in Chicago anymore, where is he? Where he's is right he behind. Oh, he was in Pat's mirror. Oh, <laughs> oh, shit. oh, that's crazy. Well, I yeah, think so. First I of all, I'm uh, I'm glad to have turned somebody else onto the prisoner. The excellence <laughs> of the prisoner. And secondly, um, Cedric Yarbrough is not the same as Cedric the Entertainer. Those are two different guys. Cedric the Entertainer. It was, and if anybody's going to mispronounce things, it's uh, yeah, be it was me. probably you that, that that pronounced it incorrectly. Let's be honest. But yeah, Cedric Yarbrough is not Cedric the Entertainer. Cedric Yarbrough played uh, Deputy Jones on Reno Nine One One, and Cedric the Entertainer is well, Cedric the Entertainer. Cedric the Entertainer. <laughs> but neither of them are Cedric. No, no one is Cedric, unless uh, unless Mike names them. That's somebody's bard I in the game. I'm saying Cedric. <laughs> What did you say, Joel? I said it's somebody's bard in a game somewhere, probably. Oh, yeah, that's actually probably 100% true. Yeah, someone is Cedric, but it's in an RPG. Yes. All right. All right. Um, that note, is it about that time? It is about that time. This week in music, movies, and TV. Oh, yes. So this week we are going with August 15th through 18th, 1969, the origin of Woodstock. Motherfuckers. I don't know why Pat's being so aggressive on this one. (laughs) It's the good Woodstock. Yeah. The amazing, awesome, original uh, Woodstock. Not the little love and drugs and sex and music not and the super commercial Woodstock 2 that they yeah. did in the early 90s not, not the little yellow bird no motherfuckers isn't that Bob Marley song oh yeah no, Wood, Woodstock was a Crosby Stills and Nash Young song was it what am I you thinking of little little wing oh. what are you thinking no yeah. three little birds Three Little Birds. Oh. That's what I'm thinking. Of. Oh, that's Bob Marley. Sorry, I'm thinking of Jimmy. You know what that reminds Jesus. me? Of? Do you remember that that sketch from Animaniacs where the uh, Slappy Squirrel and her nephew were at Woodstock and they did the whole thing about the band and all that? It was like a, it was like a Who's on First type of thing. I vaguely remember that. Did they take the brown acid? Yes, the squirrels took the brown acid. So music. All right. The music, <laughs> the number one song in the land was In the Year 2525 by Zager and Evan. An upbeat, happy tune. <laughs> Dude, I legitimately love that song. Same. It's a great Same. song. It really is. But in, but it's not one of those that you like wake up to. But I, I do just unabashedly love that song. It is the perfect type of cheesy that I love. That seemed to be a thing for back then. There was like almost kind of thematic, almost like uh, like Donovan, too, doing songs like that. In the year 2525. You're combining two things there. I know. Yeah, I know. Anyway, so on August 15th, the Woodstock Music and Art Fair opened in upstate New York on Max Yasker's Dairy Farm. Is that right? Sure. Yasker? What? Yasker? 
Max Yasker. Okay. For those unfamiliar with this event, it featured 30 mostly new and rising rock bands and a four-day non-stop live music hippie fest of drugs and sex, leading to the birth of Monkeypox, Herpes, Simplex 18, and several children with odd names. Bands included, but were not limited to, Arlo Guthrie, Santana, Melanie, The Grateful Dead, Creedence Clearwater Revival, Janis Joplin, The Who, Jimi Hendrix, and Shanana. It was almost the first ever appearance of Crosby, Stills, and Nash in concert. No, it was definitely. It was also the first, sorry. Shanana. I know, Shanana. <laughs> I was like, what did we sign up for? <laughs> I had to include them. I love that that's Woodstock Music and Art Fair, and there was like one guy with like a spin art machine in the corner doing stuff, you know, <laughs> the whole four days. Nothing <laughs> but spin art. Uh, so on August 20th, the final session for the Beatles album Abbey Road at Abbey Road Studios in London was completed. It was the final time all four members of the band were present in a recording studio together. Well, that's sad. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But obviously very important. Yes. On August 18th, two days prior, while filming a shootout on the set of Ned Kelly, the Rolling Stones frontman Mick Jagger was wounded when a blank misfired and he caught shrapnel in his hand. While recuperating on set, he wrote Brown Sugar, a tribute to his then mistress, Marsha Hunt. Hmm. It's a I great song. That. I like that song. It's a great song. I love it. Yeah. Now I'm singing it in my head. At least it got to here I go again out of my head. So. And finally, born August 18th, Eric Francis Schrode, known by his stage name Everlast, is an American musician, singer, rapper, and songwriter. He is also the frontman for hip-hop group House of Pain and part of the hip-hop supergroup La Coca Nostra, which consists of members of House of Pain and other rappers. Wow, he's older than I thought. Yeah, right? Born in 1969? He's older than I am. Wow. He's 50. That's really old. Huh. Hey, shut up. (laughs) That's crazy. I I thought he was closer to our age. I mean, that... I, I mean, know, that makes sense. Fifty isn't that far off. I mean, really. Well, I mean, it's only four years older than Pat. Yeah, yeah. That's and that sounds about right to me. Three, three years older, really. Yeah. Hmm. All right. All right. Fair enough. All right. Moving on to movies. The number uh, one. He, he, I'm, I'm sorry. Before we go to All movies, right. real quick, you want to know an interesting fact about this week? Um, no, Woodstock. I'd like to go to movies. <laughs> <laughs> Woodstock happened. And and uh, I mean, it's just kind of mind blowing to think about this. Woodstock happened literally a week after the Sharon Tate murders at um, by tr- by the Charles Manson group. Ah, topical for those who have seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yep. Huh. All right. Now, are we moving on to yep. movies? The number one movie in the land was Easy Rider. No way. Yeah. Yep. I just saw a thing on Reddit um, about the movie Head. The monkeys movie, yeah, uh, right. Yeah. I love that. It was done by the same guys who did Easy Rider, and the they changed the name. I forgot what the original name was, but they changed it to Head, so that way when they did Easy Rider, there would be an Easy Rider from the guys that gave you Head. <laughs> but then Head completely bombed at the theaters, and they're like, "Yeah, let's let's not bring that up." What's funny is you if you ever travel to New Orleans and the subject of Easy Rider comes up, it's not a very like the city of New Orleans does not remember the making of that movie fondly. Ooh. Yeah, apparently they did some damage to the uh cemeteries locally. Yeah, they did not get permission to film in the mausoleums and they did some damage. I was gonna say it's one of the few things I remember about that movie is Karen Black in the cemetery. Yep. 
That was a very odd movie. Yes. Indeed. All right. Russ Bender died on August 16th. He was an American actor, but before that, he wrote detective stories for magazines. After a stint in the Army, he became an actor and continued to write to some extent, creating scripts for five films, as well as numerous television scripts. As an actor, he appeared in the films The War of the Worlds, It Conquered the World, Drag Strip Girl, Invasion of the Saucer Men, The Amazing Colossal Man, Suicide Battalion, War of the Colossal Beast, I Bury the Living, No Name on the Bullet, Ghost of Drag Strip Hollow, A Gathering of Eagles, The Satan Bug, <laughs> The Navy versus the Night Monsters, Devil's Angels, Live a Little, Love a Little, and the acronym of the week, TLS OKC, which I'm pretty sure stands for the largest slut of Kansas City. Joel <laughs> <laughs> dated her. Hey. I would watch every single one of those movies. Right? I Aren't have, those great names? Yeah. We don't are, have movies that are named like that anymore. I mean, for God, uh, the Navy versus the Night Monsters. <laughs> There's a lot I of classics in there. Yeah, are you familiar with some of those? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, War of the Worlds. Well, of course. If you that. saw the characters from Invasion of the, Invasion of the Saucer Man, you'd, you'd recognize him. Uh, same thing with um, Amazing Colossal Man or It Conquered the World. Those have some very iconic. It isn't it conquered yeah. the world? Is that the, that was a gorilla one with the? No, that's a, a robot monster. It conquered the world. Had the creature that's kind of a triangular shape, and he's got a big underbite with two giant. Oh teeth. yeah, with the big with the big teeth and the angry yeah. eye. Yes. Yep, that's in conquered. It I know conquered exactly what you're talking about. But what is the real title of this movie? Uh, oh, I thought I was correct because no one stepped in. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the little shepherd of Kingdom Come. Huh. All right. Yep. All right. Moving on. Oh, man. The War Donald, of the. Oh, go ahead. I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm just thinking about there's movies that actually, one movie that's similar to this that I saw on Hulu that was The Man Who Killed Hitler and then Killed Bigfoot. Oh, I want to see that. It looks pretty good. Yeah. Really All right. Would. Sorry. I digress. All right. Donald Edmund Wahlberg Jr. was born on August 17th. He's a singer, songwriter, actor, record producer, and film producer, but he's mostly known as a founding member of the boy band New Kids on the Block. As an actor, he's had roles in the Saw films, Dreamcatcher, The Sixth Sense, Righteous Kill, and Ransom, as well as appearing in the World War II miniseries Band of Brothers. On television, he's acted in Boomtown and Blue Bloods. He's also produced and starred in Rock This Boat, Donnie Loves Jenny, and Wahlburgers. A.K.A. Donnie Wahlberg, for those who haven't caught on. Yeah. Have you guys had a Wahlburger? I have not. No, they're coming to Rockford, though. That's a thing? Yeah, that's a real place. Like, yeah. And they're coming to Rockford. Yeah, they're opening one here. So, wait a minute. They made a restaurant based on a, the TV show, or? Other way oh, around. They, they, oh. Yeah, they, they had a, a family restaurant, and they started a reality show based on them running oh, the restaurant. Yeah. Okay, but now so it's, it's a chain. It's a reality show, show. That makes more sense. Yeah. All right, Christian Michael Leonard Slater, born also no, born one day later on August 18th, is an actor and producer. He made his acting debut at the age of eight on One Life to Live, and his film debut was a leading role in The Legend of Billie Jean. He was also in Cuffs with a K, Fern Gully, The Last Rare Rainforest, Alone in the Dark, and Wind Talkers, among many other better movies than the ones we listed here. 
Yeah, I know, right? They're not well, the is, movies I would choose, dude. But he's no. perhaps best known for his cameo in the Saber Welcome video on The Office. What? Yeah, Patrick, Patrick has had to take it a shit on this one. Uh, that was just me having fun with Christian Slater. Oh, my God. Uh, pump up the volume? Come on, dude. Yeah, seriously, man. Archer playing himself. Never yes, heard of him. Yes. Never heard of him. <laughs> True romance? What? No, he's fucking with you. Fern Gully. That's <laughs> right. Also born on August 18th was Edward Norton, star of American History X, Fight Club, Rounders, and Primal Fury, among others. I love Edward Norton. I do, too. Uh I was tempted to just say star of the Incredible Hulk and just stop talking. <laughs> and, and Incredible <laughs> Hulk and Sausage Party. <laughs> and Death to Smoochie. Hey, that's a good movie. I actually do like that one, but it did not go well in the theater. No. no yeah. TV. I think he's talking to you. TV. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I was going down the rabbit hole of Christian Slater movies and just getting more and more pissed off as it went. <laughs> that I didn't put any of them in there. Interview Nothing with a vampire. <laughs> I mean, of all the shit that you put in there, you start with, I mean, cuffs. Cuffs. What the hell? <laughs> I'm calling him and I'm going to tell him to come to your house and break another mirror. Um, oh. oh. TV, the top shows in the land were Rowan and Martin's Laughing, Bonanza. The Dean Martin Show and Mayberry RFD. Hey, Pat's favorite. Yeah. Howard can. Oh, but Andy. Howard can suck a dick. <laughs> Jesus, Dean Martin Show is great. You ever want to watch a guy host a show completely three sheets to the wind? Watch that. Or Frazier. Or Fra. What? Oh yeah. Or they could just continue listening to this podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got about half a bottle left, so I'm doing all right. Kelsey um, Grammer was drunk half the time he did Frasier. Oh. That's well known. Really? Yep. So was the dog. Ashley Jensen, born August 11th, is a Scottish actress. She was nominated for an Emmy in her role opposite Ricky Gervais on Extras. She had a smaller role on Ugly Betty. Jensen currently stars in the comedy drama detective series Agatha Raisin. Extras is is fun. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, I've the Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen bits. Are the I best. was just about to talk about the Patrick Stewart one, where he's like, and I've seen everything. <laughs> his pitch for his movie. And before she knows it, it's too late. I've already seen everything. <laughs> or where Ian McKellen's talking about how he, how you know, you act in a movie. You're not really that role. You're just pretending. <laughs> I'm not really a wizard. <laughs> Acting. I'm just reading the words on the script, but you won't have the script on the day, so you must memorize the words. <laughs> so there is a Wahlburgers in Chicago that may be a little bit of a hike, but it's not that far away from my office. You wish to go back in the conversation? <laughs> well, I posted the links in the chat, so. Uh, uh, while I'm falling into the Agatha Raisin hole here. <laughs> oh, that sounds weird. That's totally <laughs> sexy. <laughs> <laughs> Are there two scoops there? No, there's a <laughs> category on Pornhub. Agatha Raisinhole. Mm. Ew. Frankly. Tab, tab 74. Andy Midler? Midler? Midler. Andy Midler. Born August 16th as American actor who has appeared in Apollo 13, Armageddon, Frost Nixon, 
Transformers, and Domino. He was a series regular on Weeds and appeared in such shows as Star Trek Voyager, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, The West Wing, Six Feet Under, Ugly Betty, Boston Legal, Parts and Rec, and Married with Children, among others. He played Dean on Weeds. That's a show I've been wanting to watch. And Six Feet Under is amazing. I should know this guy. You would if you looked him up. That's what I'm doing. I love Six Feet Under. Yeah. Favorite shows of all time. Oh, Oh, yeah. That guy. That guy, yeah. With the the stash and the chubby face, yeah. Yeah. He smiles a lot. He played Elizabeth Perkins' husband slash ex-husband on Weeds. Liz Perkins. Yep. All right. Matthew Perry, one of the six stars of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, was born on August 19th. Could he be any more born? I don't know. I didn't know more, could it be any more Leo? All right. And lastly, in sports. 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 On August 13th, the Baltimore Orioles' Jim Palmer pitched a no-hitter against the Oakland A's, winning 8-0. to zero. Hooray. Baltimore Orioles. Yancey Dirk Thigpen was born <laughs> August 15th. <laughs> Thigpen. What a Yancey. great name, Yancey Thigpen. You, you know, know what? what? I want my kid to get his ass kicked every single day at school. What's a name that'll do that? <laughs> You're not kicking Yancey Thigpen's ass. I got news for you. I'm laying a bet. The reason you can't kick his ass now is because he got his <laughs> ass kicked then. It's like the boy, there's another song called A Boy Named Yancey. Yeah. I mean, it's not just the Yancey. It's the Yancey Dirk Thigpen. It's the whole package. Really. Yeah. I mean, it's like, <laughs> I mean, could you, hello, everybody. I'd like you to meet a new member of our class. This is Yancey Dirk Thigpen. And then, like, out of nowhere, a book just hits him in the head. <laughs> And then he became a wide receiver. Why? Because that's what you do when your name is Yancey Dirk Thigpen. Yeah, he became a former, well, he is a former NFL wide receiver who played for the San Diego Chargers, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Houston Oilers slash Tennessee Titans. He was selected to the Pro Bowl twice and played in one Super Bowl. Yeah, doesn't sound like a guy you want to mess with. Way to go, Yancey. Yeah, good on him. And lastly, born August 17th, Christian Leitner, NBA forward slash center was the only college member of the original dream team, the greatest basketball team ever assembled. I know that name. Yep. He won the championship for Duke. Oh, Duke who? Then he took a Duke. Well, I'm pretty sure Leitner was in NBA jam. I'm not positive, but I think he was one of the playable characters. He might've been because uh, the Hawks were really bad back then. So he might've been one of their guys that they picked. Duke Nukem. <laughs> uh, what a mess. I'm just remembering playing that with you guys and like, oh, you're going to get a triple-double. A six? What? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell does that mean? Uh, sports. All right. Take us out, keyboard, Joel. Ooh, that was very cheerful. Just jaunty. Yeah. Kind of. Ooh. Mm. Ah. I feel kind of funny. Like when you climb the rope in gym class. I chose to end in song. Okay, so there were times in our lives where the music went from the cassette tape, the LP, or in Pat's case, the 8-track. <laughs> <laughs> Shut wow. up. I listen to more 8-tracks than I'd like to admit. Hey, it's a very underappreciated media, I think. 
Yeah, I my don't. dad's uh, my dad's Cadillac had an eight track player, so we owned a few eight track tapes. Nice. That's a quite a sentence. I have a couple boxes of eight tracks and an eight track player as part of the whole setup that I inherited. You got to set that shit up, man. Got some ELO in there? I do. Oh, of course he does. All right. So we are talking about live music. I mean, just straight up when we've gone from the music that we listened to on our headphones to the music that we saw live, the music that we saw, you know, in everywhere from dive bars to arena rock to, uh, in, in one case, coffee shop uh, at the at Concordia music also. First question I, I toss out there is, what is the first live music that you remember seeing? Mine was a Christian rock band named Petra. <laughs> hey, don't laugh. <laughs> I'm laughing because my first big concert experience was Michael fucking W. Smith. Oh, I say, yeah, Michael W. Smith is on the list. Sure. Yeah. Uh, well, here you go. My first concert experience on December 14th of 1988 was Striper. <laughs> Come on, wow. Josh. Come yeah. on. Bring for, us home. For mine, it was not Christian rock. It It was equally embarrassing, though, as it was the Grand Ole Opry. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that's embarrassing. That's kind of cool. Well, actually, it was it was kind of cool because uh, some of the it was early enough that some of the classic characters were still alive. Like I saw Minnie Pearl. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. I was was pretty pretty young. I think maybe it was Boxcar Will. One one of the big ones was dead, but he was still there. Uh, Loretta Lynn, I think, was the headliner for that particular Opry. Oh, nice. shit. That's awesome. I did see Mini Pearl Boxcar Willie. I think it already passed. My dad used to love playing Boxcar Willie in Ernest Tub to drive my mom insane. My mom used to listen to Boxcar Willie, so I'm familiar as well. That's, that is not something. I am do. incorrect. Boxcar, I saw them both because Boxcar Willie didn't die until 99. Nice. Wow. All right. But yeah, probably the biggest name that an average person who knows anything about country would have was uh, Loretta Lynn. Yeah, and that's nothing to shake a stick at either. Loretta Lynn is a amazing show. She's, yeah, and she's I, a legend. Yeah, that was a that was a family thing because I, I didn't really get to go to a whole lot of concerts like unsupervised. So like we all went to that, and I probably didn't really start seeing live shows beyond that. Until probably college, actually. I wow. Mean, I mean, there were there were uh, bands at my high school, like high school students, and then one uh, teacher who had his own folk thing that he played, and I think still does play, hmm. that I saw. But that, yeah. So here's a question. This is not my, I mean, like, Michael W. Smith, yes. That was my first, like, full-on, I think it was at Rosemont concert. The first actual live now i'm putting music in quotes and i'm going to see if you guys agree that this counts as music but my first concert that i remember seeing somebody play was ray stevens yeah that counts i mean it's you know it's not like a a big rock show but it's still a concert yeah i mean he was i mean and the strange thing was like when my dad used to work for the now uh, several years back defunct continental bank they used to have a christmas show for all the families, like they would have all the everybody who worked in Chicago would get invited to it. And they had, I saw Blackstone the Magician 
Ray Stevens, and Bill Cosby. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? That is an interesting threesome. Yeah, that's weird. Well, and no, no, no. This, this, this was this was like separate years. Oh, okay. Oh, this wasn't all the time. It's like one year Blackstone the magician was a headliner, and this year, you know. Bill Cosby was a headliner in the next year, Ray Stevens. But music wise, I remember my first time seeing somebody on stage performing music was Ray Stevens. <laughs> I'm amazed that didn't turn you off from live music. Boogity, boogity. <laughs> they call me the streak. I listened to that record. Guitars and don't look at the. <laughs> I, I hate that song so much. Oh my god! And right now, our listeners, our younger listeners, are going Ray who? <laughs> Weird Al Yankovic for country, but not as talented. That's certainly true. I mean, yeah. even though I don't dislike Ray Stevens the way Pat does, he, he's no Weird Al. No, definitely not. Well, that's like saying somebody's not as good at basketball as Michael Jordan. Yeah, yeah Weird Al is the best at the. Yeah. Yeah. Well. The- the first real concert I went to, if, we, if we're talking, you know, that wasn't Christian rock, was Molly Crew. Oh. I saw them with Warrant right after Janie Lane had gotten in a fight with Steven Adler, Guns N' Roses. So he had a black eye. Mm. Uh, Tommy Lee had the spinning drum set. So it was a hell of a show. Nice. I actually just, I don't want to say introduced my girls to Motley Crew. But kind of explained because they would, we were driving the other day and uh, Kickstart My Heart came on <laughs> and they were like, This is a great song. I'm like, Yeah, you know what it's about? <laughs> I explained it to them. And they're like, Wait, he died? Yes. Only, died. only a little. For a yeah, little. Briefly. Then he decided he didn't like it and he came back. <laughs> there wasn't enough heroin in heaven. Yeah. And he wrote a song about it. Or hell. Want to hear it? Here it go. Yeah. So. Uh, okay, and my first con- my first secular concert was Erasure. Huh? Yeah, uh, a girl I had a serious crush on in high school had an extra ticket, and she asked me if I wanted to go, and I said yeah. And it actually started like a a, a lifelong love. I love that band. Oh, I thought you meant for the girl. I thought it was because she thought. Was no, unfortunately, no, no. She, yeah. You know who would love to see Erasure? Pat. That was an unrequited love. Ah. You have those? Oh, no, aisle 13. Oh. Wait, what? Um. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Which part of that are you asking about? <laughs> not at, uh, You know what? I'm asking. No, yeah, we're no, moving no, on. I mean, let's, let's, yes. Let's not bring not this down. Girlfriend, Joe. You have another mirror jump off the wall. Yeah. <laughs> so back then, which band... Did you totally that you were like, I need to see these guys live? And did you ever wind up to see them? For me, it was haha, the Eagles. <clears throat> I was always like, oh my God, I got to see these guys sometime. I got to see every single time they came to wherever I lived, um, something came up and I couldn't go. And uh, spoilers for the now. Yeah, I got to finally go see them when they did the tour where they, it was basically like a storyteller tour. They, it's off uh, Glenn Fry and, um, Oh my God, Glenn Frey and Don Henley sitting out talking talking about you know how they met and everything, and every time they talked about recording a new album, whoever was in the band came out from behind the set and sat with them and sang the songs, and they talked about recording it and everything. They 
and then um, whoever was not on the next album left, and the next person came in. It was like a whole retrospective of the Eagles' career. It was really cool. So that's that answer. <laughs> that is cool. Even though I'm not a fan of the Eagles, that's still pretty cool. What happened? Uh, for me, it was probably Ozzy Osbourne, just because I was super into Ozzy back then, but I, I've never seen him live. Still haven't? Still have not seen Ozzy live. Yeah. Wow. Not the ground to it. Quick quick aside, uh, my sister went to go see a one of those, you know, uh, 15 band Monsters of Rock kind of tour things, you know, and uh, Ozzy Osbourne was one of the one of the headliners. And my my mom let my sister go on the condition that when Ozzy came on stage that she would leave and go sit in the in the corridors where he performed. <laughs> and she's like, "Okay, mom, I'll do that." Yeah, totally, mom. I'm totally gonna do that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. The one band that I always really wanted to see was Nirvana, and unfortunately, I did not get the opportunity. They did come through Kansas City once that I remember. Uh, that's when they were touring with Guns N' Roses, actually. That is such a weird mix. I know, right? But it was early on. They didn't quite know what to do with them. But I didn't get to see them in Chicago at some point. But I was a freshman, and then you know he, he died in 94. So I didn't get the opportunity, unfortunately, to ever go see him. Talk about unrequited. <laughs> That's kind of sad. Yeah. It's pronounced unrequited. <laughs> in Texas, maybe. It's a Smothers Brothers joke. Oh, what about you, Mike? A band that I needed to see for the then, and I never got a chance to see them. I bet Pat can answer this question for me. In excess. Uh, Yep. Yes, it is. In excess is totally it. Did they ever, I mean, come through at any point that you even would have had a chance to see them? Yeah, they did. They had Chicago tours. That's just, I was never able to, never able to see the, the band together. I mean, which you know they're still they're still touring today, but you know it's like it's like the Doors touring today. Yeah, sure yeah, you are. You're the Doors. It's like yeah. How much do you guys cry after the show that you miss Michael? You know it's. But yeah, I I always wish seeing uh, in excess live because I mean just because the I don't think people realize how big the band actually is. You know, there's a lot of people in this between the horns and everything else going on up there. It's not just like four guys. So it's like it's Chicago. Kinda, yeah. Yeah. It's like a, it's a big thing. It's a it is a, you know, a full stage thing. Yeah. And fortunately, now I will never be able to see I'm the same. I'm in the same boat as Joel. Yep. Yep. Josh. Josh already answered the question. I never got to see Ozzy. Never mind. I'm not paying attention. I am. Would you want to see Ozzy now? Now, probably not. I mean, and it was weird because, like, my metal phase started with Ozzy, quickly went to Metallica, and then we hit the mid '90s, like hip hop and R and B era, and that was what I was into for a long time. Like, I'd still, and I came back to Metallica after that. The time I was super into Ozzy, I was young enough where I wasn't going to concerts on my own, right? I had a chance. I, I saw Metallica. It was on the Black Tour. Speaking of bands, I it kind of made me wonder, you know, what that was one of the biggest bands I think I saw as far as like famous. Because you, you know, you think Ozzy Osbourne, you think legendary. So seeing him is kind of a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Metallica is kind of one of those that 
I don't say it's the biggest band I've ever seen. I'm looking through my list here, but they're definitely up there. So I don't know. Did you guys ever see anybody that? Oh, I saw Bob Dylan. I guess that counts too. Well, we'd be jumping ahead for me to answer your question. Ah, we'll mm-hmm. come back to that. Who? Okay, next question. Who have you seen multiple times? I guess we can jump ahead. I, I've seen Metallica <laughs> live six times. What? Yes. Wow, nice. Really? And I, I think I've seen They Might Be Giants four. Huh. But yeah, I, I uh, was for uh, a time after basically every release from Reload up through like St. Anger, anytime they came through and I could afford it, I, I saw Metallica. Nice. I don't think I've ever seen anybody more than once. Well, I take that back. I've seen one guy more than once, but i he's a friend of my brother's from high school, so I see him all the time. <laughs> oh, the guy that, yeah, I've seen him too. Noah? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that one night we went to the bar he played. Yeah. Um, I There's a band from Austin uh, that I've seen more than any other band. I've seen them five times because their show is just, it's a, just a huge fucking party. It's like a... They're, they're Electronica Techno. Uh, the name of the band is uh, Ghostland Observatory. Oh, that's kind of a neat name. Yep. Huh. It's just two dudes, one guy on uh, lead uh, guitar and lead vocals, and another guy on keyboards and lights. And between like the keyboards, the lights, the guitar, the fact that we're in you know, this tiny little music venue and literally everybody is smoking their brains out and it turns into a giant hot box... And like with the lasers going through all the smoke and everything, I mean, it's just and and the it's just a high intensity, great fucking awesome, lose your mind, get high as balls show. So it's a lot of fun. I see them every time they come to town. Cool. Uh, well, um, <laughs> I've seen. It's the closest point. I get to go into a rave. Let me put it that way. I can see. Um, that's very padded a rave, right? Exactly. <laughs> like I'm not gonna do the actual rave, but I will hotbox with a with about a thousand people, and and listen to some really fun, awesome, throbbing techno music. It's fun. That does sound fun. Yeah. Like it's not my style, but I think the experience, even if the music isn't my particular flavor, like the experience would probably be awesome. Yeah, and just the light show is a serious part of it. Like you have to like be there to experience it. It's just like it's so. Like it's just a, it's it's you have to it's a whole live experience. I I don't enjoy them as much like just listening to them, you know, on my iPod or whatever, you know. Hmm. So for me, I've seen Honor DeFranco multiple times. I've seen Jars of Clay twice. I've seen They Might Be Giants several times. I've seen Everclear, Everclear several times. Ben Folds five several times. Uh, Tori Amos is probably the second person I've seen the most. War, I've seen a couple times. Helmet, I've seen a couple times. And then, of course, the obvious answer is Julian Hatfield, who I've seen the most. Who? Exactly. Um, which I've probably seen her, I don't know, six or seven times, maybe? I'm not sure. I, I'm not counting anymore. What's fun is a lot of those first concerts for those bands are ones I went to you and in my like period in college where I went to a lot of shows, mostly with you. Because we went, I was at Ani with you. I was at Tori, and I was at Juliana. Yep, you were there. You were at the Frank Black show, weren't you? Yes. Yeah. And I, I was also there for uh, the first thing at TMBG. That was my first time as well. And that was on the John Henry tour, if I remember correctly. You do remember correctly. Oh, 
but yeah, I've seen I've seen lots of bands multiple times. I'm not like I know some people that have probably seen that go to shows all the time, but I, there was a lot, a lot more than I thought. Anyway, uh, are we on to the next question or? Yeah, I think we are. Well, yeah, I, I've seen a bunch of other bands multiple times, you know, but I mean that that's the band I've seen the most. I've outside of Noah, I have seen nobody more than once. Hmm. So the next thing Mike's got on here is what venue was like the go-to for... Wait, wait, hold on, hold on one second. Um, was the They Might Be Giants we went to in Gen Con, was that the first time you saw them? Yes. Wow, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Okay. I thought I was going to catch you. Nope, no. Nope. Sorry, Josh. No, it's fine. Uh, so venue as a go-to for then. I know that probably because of the shows I went to with Joel, for me, it's going to be the Vic Theater in Chicago. Oh, the Vic is awesome. Yeah, I think we saw more at the Vic than we did at the Metro, but it's close. Yeah, the the Vic was definitely the the bigger of the two, although I like seeing shows at the Metro. It seems like a lot of the smaller acts tended to go towards the the Vic. And I saw a couple at the Riv, but... Oh, yeah, I saw a couple at the Riv as well. But, yeah, the the Vic was, I think, the most, the most common place. Um, the, the place the place I saw the most live acts would probably have to be Famous Dave's. <laughs> That's the, the barbecue joint I worked at that had live music literally every night. It was that or Pete Miller's that had live jazz every damn night. I'm sorry, that's just a coffee shops for me. If I hit one more mother 60-year-old jackass playing Dust in the Wind one more time. <laughs> oh, interesting, because if, if you're... Oh, well, that wouldn't be for then. I was going to say, I wasn't even considering uh, other kinds of live performances but for then, it still would have been the Vic. For now, the answer would have changed. Hmm. Yeah, when I worked at the coffee shops, we would have... I Okay, when I worked for Caribou, I was in charge of li- live music night. And it was always an open mic night. And there was always one balding, ponytailed, 50-something dude who sat down with his earring and played Dust in the Wind. And uh, to this day... I cannot stand dust in the wind. I'm done with it. <laughs> that is just, I mean, I, I, I admit it's a good song. It is a great song. Kansas is an amazing band. Dust in the wind played by a balding 50 something year old. Not so much. Dust in the wind is super tramp, dude. Fuck you. <laughs> I know that's wrong. <laughs> Jesus. Uh yeah, with a with a lifetime of uh bar experience and bartending, I've worked at multiple places that have live music. So if we're gonna talk like straight live music like that, I have way way too many experiences to talk about. Probably if we're just gonna talk talk straight concerts, yeah. Give us your worst and your best. Oh, that's a good question. Um, well, worst is I will say, and I have said this before, and I stick to it. There is just nothing musically worse than a jazz drum solo. Because it's just boom. Boom. Like, oh my god, just fucking kill me. Uh, my worst was a surprising one, and it was worse because I'd built it up so much. The worst for me was Stone Temple Pilots. What? Wait, was it? 
That was the one when Scott Whelan was all fucked up. Was, was Scott still around? Scott was still around. And it was a day for disappointment because it was the same day. It's technically in the now, but the question's relevant since we're asking it now. It was also, I saw Veruca Salt without Louise. Oh, yeah. I remember you uh, talking about that before. But that was not the biggest disappointment of the day. The biggest without Nina. Of the, uh, without Nina. You're right. Louise post was there. Nina was not. Yeah. STP was just awful. Like they sounded like crap. Uh, there was no energy to the show. It was just, they were just kind of standing there and playing stuff. And uh, they were third billing that day in a list with like 18 bands. I was so bummed because they were one of the ones I was really there to see along with my like sixth time for Metallica. And uh, my only time getting to see bare naked ladies. STP was probably the band I was there for, for like the third they're my, like my third biggest band that day. I really didn't have, I mean, I've been very fortunate. And most every one of my live music concert type experiences have been positive. Any of mine that have been, you know, kind of annoying have all been like work based, but like, you know, going to an actual concert, I haven't had a whole lot of bad experiences. One of the times I went to go see Juliana Hatfield, her opening, she had an opening band called Electro Lux and they were awful i mean i was talking to the guy next to me during the show and he's like what is this electro sucks i mean they just oh it's terrible nobody liked them yeah i've seen some real bad opening bands for sure oh the question about wtf joel was there with me for this guy a guy who opened for tmbg who's this weird old guy with super long hair who played uh like a ukulele eugene chapborn wasn't i there for that too I think I was there for that too. There were a lot of people in that car. You, you got, you may have been there. If Sarah went with us too. I think that, yeah. That yeah, and uh, uh, JD. Eric Grauke. Eric Grauke was there. I think. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and Eugene Eugene Chadbourne, like all of it was weird until he did his cover of Nazi Punk Fuck Off, which was surprisingly amazing. It was almost like performance art. He tried to be so bad. So he could blow you away with how good he could be. That's what that's what it felt like. It it almost it almost felt like a like an Andy Kaufman type skit. Yeah, Eugene Chatborn. Did you look him up? That's kind of amazing that there's there's a musician out there that you're like he is fucking with us. <laughs> that's what it felt like. And yeah, was... Eugene Chatborn's House of Chadula. Yeah, I just just looked him up, and yeah, he looks exactly the same now as he did then. <laughs> He's got a kind of a cool 3D globe type of thing, but his only pin in there is to, to Lyle, Illinois. So, Oh, but uh, you can actually watch his Nazi punks fuck off cover on YouTube. Jeez, look at all of his recordings. Holy crap. Oh, we've gone down a bit of a rabbit hole. He's the, he's the Wesley Willis of old white men. I know. <laughs> That's exactly who popped up in my head. <laughs> yeah, he does look the same, Josh. I've... I've totally forgot about him. All right. On on the on the threat that we might have a Oh boy. No, oh boy. Oh god. It's another Irish band, the Dead Kennedys. Thank <laughs> you. 
Punk ain't no religious cult. Punk means thinking for yourself. And just like that, I'm out. Uh, see, I, I I thought it was awesome, especially because he did all these weird banjo ukulele things, and then he 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 busts out his version of a Dead Kennedy song. That's crazy pants. And like the entire time, we're all looking at each other when he's playing his other banjo stuff. It was a it was an interesting opening act for sure. Yep. I remember when this is before I met you guys, and I was still hanging out with the guys on First David. We went to a bar and saw a live band, and this I, I don't remember the band, but I was there with Susie, and my uh, neck, my across the hall neighbor Carl was there with. I'm going to say some blonde girl because I don't remember her name. We got there, and this band did a song about Edgar Allan Poe, and I was. A hundred percent. Was it called the Battle of Nevermore? No, it was not the Battle of Nevermore. <laughs> it was it was male band for for one, but they did sing and they, they did a song. And in the bridge, they were doing um, the Telltale Heart, and the lead singer stopped, took the microphone, put it right up to his to his neck, and did the like I don't even fucking do it. He was. And he was like holding his hand out, pretending like he had the heart in his hand. And the whole place was silent because there, you know, there's this poignant moment in the middle of the song. And the blonde girl who was with Carl in this quiet bar goes, Oh my God, that's so cool. <laughs> I remember Suzanne and I are like, yeah, order the fuck out. We're gone. This is not the group we're hanging out with tonight. We are out of here. It was, oh, it was. And I, I wish to God, I wish I could remember the name of the band because it was, I hate to say 30 years ago, but close to it. All right. What about performing live music? The only person I'm looking at in this crowd right now is Joel. Hi. Hi, Joel. <laughs> Tell me about performing live, mu- live music. Before he goes into his diatribe, I have technically performed live music. Do tell. You have. Yes. As have I. I mean, I was a concert tenor for years before I met you guys. Yeah. I was in choirs, and I also played guitar fireside. So, boom. <laughs> I was the lead singer for a Christian rock band out of our church in Naperville. There you go. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We sucked. <laughs> and there was that band with the guys from the Onion BBS. Uh, I met Time. Like, everybody in the band was, like, 30 years older than I was. They all had, like, Fender Stratocasters, so there were, like, five guitarists, but none of them could sing. <laughs> and we had to find stuff that they knew how to play that I knew. So it was all, like, the Beatles, ELO, and uh, a little bit of Clapton. You know what's messed up is that band that I was the lead singer of. Probably the rest of the members are dead. Oh, ooh, ah, well, ah. because like a lot of them were in their like late sixties, twenty five years ago. You showed ah. them. <laughs> so, so here's a question, Josh. Does, that, does that mean you get all the equipment? Well, they're not playing live music anymore. Yeah, right. Yeah. What What was the name of the band, Josh? You know, I don't even remember. Four Mexicans in a map. That's what I ordered. 
We uh, practiced every single week and did three shows, and I can't remember our name. And I did this for like two years. <laughs> you know, I know what's worse is the fact that you don't remember that or the fact that I'm like, yeah, it makes sense. Well, because most of the time it was practice. Well, I mean, he was truly rock and roll. Cause that's why he doesn't remember. He was living it up rock and roll style. Oh, yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah, that was me. All right. You weren't a rock star if you remember it. I was I was in the band Lifeline. At the time, I was dating a girl named Tandy. Ooh. Wow. Yeah, she was named after a computer. Yeah. I know. Huh. What the hell? Joel, tell us about performing live music. It was a different time. Um, well, I started the world, the crystal. <laughs> I originally got my bass guitar back in high school um, when the two Mats and I decided we were going to play music together, but I didn't. Um, ever actually do anything until I got to college when we were at a coffee house and Dave Duke <laughs> mistook me for another guy that had played at the coffee house, Rob Huber, who did uh, Supermarket Man, if you guys remember that performance. And Rob Huber. I, I look, if you go back and look at the meat book, I look exactly like Rob Huber, like just catty corner from each other in the book. And Dave thought I was him. So he approached me and said, Hey, you want to, you know, go play some music together? I'm like, cool. So I got my bass guitar and we went and hung out. And it wasn't until like months later that he finally admitted that he just he didn't think he thought I was somebody else. But I started with Dave. We did a band called Full Rig Ship. And then uh, that was with Christina. Started with a B. Bumpkin. And then no. And then that turned into Kenito with Matt Kenny and uh, Spice. And then eventually, when Chris Toma joined the band, that's when it became Jeffrey's Appendix, which is the one that most everybody would know. Um, anybody that was at college at the time, we we played around a lot. Um, recorded two little demo EP things. Played a couple shows out outside of the actual college. We went out and played live. Uh, one of the things we did, we went to an open mic night down at a place, this really seedy piratey bar downtown. And... The guy, after we were done, he's like, oh, you know, you guys want to come back and, you know, do a, a regular spot? We're like, sure. But at that point, Chris was going off to, you know, start his career. So that never really happened. But as we were getting ready to pack up our gear and leave, the band that came on after us literally was a pirate band. The The lead singer, they were doing Iron Maiden covers and the lead singer had an eye patch and a wooden. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I love it. Um. So then once that, once Chris left, um, we continued to play live music with, uh, Dave and Pete and I, and then that eventually dissolved. And I started playing music with, uh, Adam Reichert, uh, as backdoor Maggie. We did something else. We did like a Christian side project thing that he was working on, but then that dissolved and I've only played music one other time after that. But yeah, I, I did a lot of music and, uh, especially the first two years of, of college. We did all the coffee houses and we had that plugged show. I remember doing the coffee house that was at down in the, the uh, Cougar Den. Yeah. With, um, God, who was it? Uh, that was playing harmonica with me. I know Phil Rigdon was at like every coffee house. Yeah. yeah. But it wasn't, it wasn't Phil. It was. So was Joel. The other Joel. No, it wasn't Joel too, but the one that I did, um, Gross Hall Blues. Oh, 
Oh, yes. I vaguely remember that. Big dude with a mustache. He played harmonica on me. With a mustache? I think he had a mustache. I, I'm trying to remember his name, but for the love of God. John I Popper? Oh, yes, that it was, was him. John, yes, it was John yeah. Popper. It was John Popper. Went yeah. to college with John Popper. That's right. Yeah, that's totally it. Just trying to help. <laughs> <laughs> what you're here for, man. What would, let's see, do we do, do we skip ahead to worst or best or most uh, WTF concert you've ever seen? Yeah, we, yeah. we kind of jumped around a little. Okay. Yeah, we well, I didn't get to talk about any of my best concerts. Oh, all right. Let's hear your best concerts. No, I'm just saying. I mean, are we going to do that? I mean, yeah. No, no. We why don't we shift best to the now? Just because. Yeah, I was going to say because we're getting kind of heavy on the. Yeah. All right, then, Joel. How many T-shirts do you have that prove that you've heard of them first? (laughs) Uh, I'm sitting just behind where I have my little good studio set up are tubs full of shirts with bands that you probably haven't heard of and some that you have that I saw maybe before then. I don't know. So Sounds that's fun. how that's how many tubs full. Yes. I've got at least two two big plastic bins full of, of old concert t shirts that I can't wear anymore or don't wear anymore. But one of my most I don't want to say not WTF concerts, but like how the hell did I get here concerts was when I worked with Pat at Garfield's. <laughs> and, oh, the Queensryche. <laughs> and and what, what was his name? Scott. Scott. No, no, no. Scott was the barfly. Oh, Fred. Fred. Fred came over and he's like, dude, I got one more ticket to Queensryche. Does anybody want to go see it? And then Scott, who's his barfly, that hung out at the at a mall like TGI Fridays type of place all day long. He's like, oh, man. I totally love Queensryche. We are the champions. And we're like, you are going to be really disappointed when you get there. I was the only one in the bar at that time who had ever even heard of Queensryche. Thank you, Jay. And uh, <laughs> Jay, Jay learned of, about them from me. Okay. Well, I learned of J- Queensryche from Jay because I live with Jay. But I wound up going to Queensryche with Jay. I mean, with Jay? No, Fred. with Fred. With Fred, I remember it was actually really good, but it was one of those kind of like really my first super concert hall arena type things is fucking Queensryche with Fred, dude. With Fred, I I'm actually officially jealous considering they are one of the bands that I wish I had seen back when they were in their prime. I'd still go see them now. I'm I'm a fan. Yeah, I know that. They were really good. I couldn't tell you who opened for them, but they are um, then. I mean, one of the one of the coolest things about it was the lead guitarist had like seven, eight, ten guitars that he just kept grabbing and bring and switching out for. You know, honestly, they're for a for a metal band. They're eighties metal. They're really good. I enjoyed it. It was a good time. I was there with Fred. Yeah, they are like the first band I ever heard for what is now my favorite genre, which is progressive rock slash progressive metal. So prog metal, nice. Yeah, we will definitely be getting into prog metal in the now. <laughs> that is is Fred. Maybe is that the same Fred that's uh, knocked the mayor off? The- <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, he's still alive. Nope, different Fred. This Fred was real. 
Fred was real, and Fred was the general manager of the restaurant that Patrick and I both worked at, who had at one point or another said, I have no control of what's going on around me. Yep. I'm just going to stay in my office all day. My biggest WTF moment in a concert that I went to was, who here is familiar with the cramps? I am. Yep. Me too. All right, nice. Well, that was Angela's very favorite band, and uh, she took me to a concert of theirs once. And I thought it was Hot House 4. It was, it was definitely it was definitely entertaining and it was a lot of fun. Um, but at one point, I don't know if you guys have ever seen them or know them well enough to know that they are like they're they're they were like punk rockabilly, manic crazy. And the the, the lead singer Lux Interior was married to Poison Ivy, the lead guitarist. And during the concert, at one point, he um, this was the one we were at. He had the it was the House of Blues in Chicago. He had the mic stand on his shoulders and he bent it in half over his neck. And then he took it and he threw it up in the air and it came down on Poison Ivy's head. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. And so, like, she almost you know, got knocked out, and, you know, and, but she kept playing amazingly as she's bleeding from her head. And they end the song and she gets, you know, rushed off the stage and, you know, they do a song without her and she comes back out and her head's bandaged up. <laughs> and, and you know and the crowd goes nuts and he's all like he's like yeah don't feel bad for her he's like feel bad for me i'm gonna get my ass kicked later tonight <laughs> just do you want to hear a little bit of the cramps angela is actually who got me into the cramps she was playing them after a poker game nice now i'm gonna say angela's who got me into the cramps too because when i was helping you guys move she had that huge uh framed poster of them too yeah from from their their um a date with elvis yep yep, yep. That's uh, it. Oh, sorry. Oh, I was going to say thank you, Angela. <laughs> I didn't get into them until Val's. Uh, one of the guys that worked, well, used to work there, was a huge fan. My biggest WTF moment when I went and saw Guar for the second time, uh, Flipper was their opening act, and Flipper had the Flipperettes, which were two very scantily clad women that were dancing on the sides of the stage. Well, Odor's younger, your youngest, the lead singer, uh, aka Dave Brocky of Gore, uh, was already pretty three sheets to the wind at the time, uh, and so he came out and started putting the moves on one of the flipperettes on stage. They proceeded to end up on on the stage. Her panties came off, and they proceeded to get very close to having sex on stage. Well, the lead singer Flipper didn't like that too much, so he and Odorous got into a fist fight. <laughs> <laughs> On stage. That's kind of awesome. Uh, as you know, this girl's half naked on the floor. She's pretty wasted herself. And yeah, they had to call in security to, to stop it. That's nuts. On stage at the bottleneck in Lawrence, Kansas. Yeah. Wow. It's a good time. My most unexpected kind of WTF concert was uh, when at the very last second, uh, I ended up going with, you guys know Nick Roche. We went uh, to Neil Young. He had two tickets and uh, thought he was going to get a date, never did. And so we went and it was an awesome show. It was Neil Young with like just a guitar, like no backup band. And he did a real long set with just a, an acoustic guitar. I saw Jackson Brown do the same kind of concert. That was really cool. It was it was him, a keyboard, and 13 guitars. Yeah. Like, I had heard a couple of Neil Young songs before that, but, like, I was, like, really into it by the end of the show. 
I saw Julian Hatfield do that, Frank Black do that, Cat Power do that. It's interesting when you see him. Saw John Anderson too. Same stripped down like that. You know who John Anderson is? Uh, I do. John Anderson <laughs> sounds a little like Dwight Yoakam. Saw him. Saw him in like a literally like a hundred and twenty seat little little place in Chicago. Yeah, I, I grew up with country and went through a new country. No, phase. no, not not that John Anderson. John Anderson, the former singer of Yes, lead singer of Yes. Oh. I thought, you know, being from Texas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, th- this was in Chicago. It was. Nah, so, never mind. I see one question for them that we haven't really addressed. And I'm not sure if it applies to any of us, but maybe Joel, uh, any backstage access slash passes? I've never gone backstage to a show. I've met several people after the show, but they all came out. I didn't actually go back. So, uh, I, I have two stories, actually. Uh-oh. Well, I mean, I have actually more than that because I've been backstage several times working at the whatever, but not like at a major, you know, event, except for two times. One times, uh, one, one times, <laughs> one time um, I went to the Blues Fest downtown Chicago with Sarah, my ex-girlfriend. She was getting an award and it got presented to her by Muddy Waters' widow. And we were backstage at Blues Fest and got to meet a lot of people. And we were sitting there. And this one one old grizzled black dude sitting across from us. We were sitting on the one sofa. He's sitting on another one, and he's just sitting there eating. And people keep talking, walking by, and everybody walks by, stops and talks to him briefly, you know. So I'm sitting there thinking, man, this guy must be someone. And everybody that walks by, you know, and and finally at one point, you know, he he starts talking to us. And at one point, when somebody interrupts and you know says hey and walks past, he he leaves. And, he, and I look at him and go, who was that? And he goes. Man, I don't know who any of these people are. <laughs> he's, he's, he's like, I'm gonna give you a little jazz secret. Just call everybody Cat, and you're gonna get get by just fine. <laughs> and you have lived your life by those words since then. Exactly. He's like, you don't have to learn anybody's name. Just call everybody Cat. And then the other story. Um, so was, who was that? Uh, hmm? I have no it? idea. I still to this day don't know who it was. Weren't you listening? It was Cat. <laughs> Oh. He 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 was the um I don't remember his name but he was the uh the keyboard player for Bobby Rush. It actually was Shadow Stevens. He was just for bad for bad Bobby Rush who was a Chicago blues guy. Shadow Stevens, that's yeah. where you go. Yeah, was, that's it. That's it. In blackface, you know. That's a hell of a pull. And then this is one of my favorite lifetime stories of of my whole life. Um and I'm just going to go ahead and do a little humble brag and tell this story. Okay. When I was living in the in that condo with uh, Fred and Jeff and Dan back when I worked at that place that Mike was talking about earlier, the guy that lived in the basement, uh, it was a guy and his and his wife, and his name was uh, Ron Prince, and he's a I don't know if he's still he probably is still a, a, a blues musician in Chicago, and he had a bunch of guys in his band. They were all they were like reggae influenced, so he had a lot of reggae. Like his bass player had dreads down to his knees. And we saw them in concert several times since you know we got to know him as a pretty good guy since he was our neighbor and everything, and we parted with him a lot. And one time we were going to go see him at Buddy Guy's. I went downstairs to find out what time the show was, you know, and rang his bell. And all the guys from his band and you know, they were basically having a pre, they were pre-gaming. There was like forty, fifty people in there, and I, you know, and, and they invite me in, and I'm talking, you know, and I find Ron, I'm talking to him and everything, and I sit down on his couch. 
and they're passing, you know, they're passing a the joint around, you know, everybody's smoking. And I'm literally like the only white dude in the whole place. It's all like Jamaicans and blues musicians and everything. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, this is, I'm like, like this is pretty fucking cool. And then I passed the joint to the guy to my left and I realize it's fucking buddy guy. <laughs> okay. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. I just turned, I turned to my left just to pass the joint and his buddy guy sitting there drinking a Heineken and he takes the J out of my hand. I look at him. I go, Hey, you're buddy guy. And he goes, you're damn right. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is when you said working a show, you reminded me that I actually have a backstage moment though. I've never been backstage as an attendee. I worked catering, uh, for a couple of shows. Like I'd actually done five or six plus a couple of WWE, uh, events just helping out when catering companies traveled through, they paid cash at the end of the day. I think the first one I did, the venue didn't have like a stable kitchen. They had to bring in road carts and set up the kitchen. And the only place they could get access to uh, like have a drain for the sink was directly backstage off of like staged left where the band had to come through. And that's how I ended up basically backstage listening to the killers perform like 20 feet from them while washing dishes for like two hours. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah. Dishes were ruined forever. That's, that, yeah. I, I'm just going to say, you know, for the then between buddy guy and the killers, I'm going to call it, I'll call a break. <laughs> Let us re rethink what we've done since then. And, uh, Come back in a little bit. Does that sound good? Sounds great to me. Whoop, whoop. All right. We'll be back in a little bit, and we're going to talk about our concert and uh, memories from 2000 to now. All right. Live music. Do you see more live music or less live music now, post-2000? Less. Josh, tell me. Oh. I, I No, shut up, Joel. Josh, tell me. Interesting. It, you know, in terms of, like, shows per year, it was certainly more back then. But, like, I've had more disposable income in the now. Yeah. So I think overall it's probably been slightly more now. Even though I'm not a guy who regularly goes to shows, I might only hit one every couple of years. And I'm still going to say probably more. Okay. Joel, you're so eager. Tell me. Less. Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> Far less. You are only allowed one-word answers from now on. One-word that you're done, Joel. I, that's, a, that's a really good question because... I mean, if you include you know my work, obviously I see less now. But if you if you don't include my work, I see more concerts now than I used to. Hmm. Does that make sense? There's no way I could match how many live music performances I saw when I was you know in my 20s and 30s because I was seeing them like almost literally every day. Okay. I mean, unless we start hiring bands at the poker room. Can you do that? I mean, we can do whatever the hell we want. It's an illegal business. <laughs> Oh, is Hang that on. how that works? I have, to, I have to write that time down. <laughs> it works at the purge. 
No, I I actually see more live music now than I did when I was in college because just the same as Josh, I I have more disposable income and I am now living in an area that has a lot of live music around me. I mean, like I've got the Two Brothers uh, Roundhouse, which has live music all the time. You know, there's just a lot going on. In fact, like in the town that I'm in, Aurora has the Second Sundays, I think it's called where they have live bands in different locations all over the downtown Aurora area. So you can walk around and just see different live bands all over the place, including the guy who I talked about earlier. Uh, his name's Noah Giblin, and he has a band called Noah's Arcade. It's kind of cool because like, they, they try and set up this whole thing where you can walk from like this gazebo right off the river to a park to another and see different bands and different genres of music over one night. Gazebo. 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 Bobus <laughs> Buffant. <laughs> Sorry. Right. So uh, go to for live music. We're talking venue, I assume. Yeah. For me, although it's been a few years since I've been uh, in the now, it's definitely been uh, the Kingston Mines Blues Club on Halstead. Oh, man. I used to go to Kingston like several times a week. And there was a time where it would be weird in a week where I wouldn't be there drinking and eating some barbecue, smoking a cigarette or whatever, and just listening to blues. One of my visits that my parents made coming to Chicago to see me, I took them to Kingston Mines one night. Love that place. And we saw a singer called Kid Dynamite. Remember him? Yeah. Yep. I know that name. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've seen him. I mean, Fitzgerald is always a good place to go see music. True. If you're in uh, the Berwyn area of Illinois. Um, but the place I just recently went to, the last concert I actually went to, was at a place here. Um, well, not here. It's... Uh, close to Chicago, um, called Out of Space. It's attached to a brewery and great venue, like fairly small in the bigger picture. But you know they had it's a you know it's a brewery, so they've got their own brew that you can purchase, and they've got you know food vendors inside the place. There's you know places you can sit down. There's places you can hang out, and then there you go up to the stage and you can watch a show, or you can head back towards the back and you know kind of mull around back there and find a place to sit and eat and listen to music from the farther end of it. It's just kind of a cool little venue. I'm just saying breweries have ter- suddenly turned out to be like a regular place for local live music. Oh yeah. Yeah. At two brothers recently, I saw a band called Superfly symphony. which is like a seventies, eighties cover band. They were really good. Kind of confusing because like I went there and I told them like, Hey, you know, Susie and I are here for our anniversary. We'd love to have you know play play something for us. And they played Car Wash, and I was like, I don't know. At <laughs> the Car Wash, um, Out of Space is Temperance Beer Company. Temperance, okay, I know them. Yeah, that's that's the brewery that has Out of Space. Okay, so has your must see band changed? <laughs> we know Joel's is not. Well, I mean, you know, if if I would have had the opportunity now, yeah, I would. Hmm. I think if I if there's a band I'd really like to see now that I haven't yet, uh, it would probably be uh, the Silver Sun Pickups. Probably the 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 top of my list. Either that, or I've never seen Smashing Pumpkins. And I, if I could see them on the same bill, Silver Sun Pickups. Silver Sun Pickups. 
Silver Sun pickups. Yeah, yeah I've heard of them. I, I don't know anything about them, but the name is something I've heard. They've had several songs on the radio. They're, you know, fairly well known. I mean, in the alternative circle, they're kind of the spiritual successor to, to Smashing Pumpkins, actually. The one guy looks like Steve Bob from Cartala. <laughs> <laughs> the keyboardist? That's not a compliment. Yeah, yeah no, the keyboardist does look a little like, like him. Brian Albert, the, the lead singer and guitarist, does not look like him. What about you, Pat? Is there a band that you're like totally want to see live? Now? Well, Paul McCartney is who I'm is big on my list right now. I want to see him before he stops touring and disappears. Or dies. Uh, Tom Petty, I, I, I was on my list and I didn't get to see him. Oh, yeah, that would have been a good show. That's yeah. sad. Yeah. I mean, I guess I can say I saw Bob Dylan, so you know he's he's right in that same wheelhouse. But right now, I just I want to see a lot. Of, I, I want to see a lot of the the old timers before they before they die. Yeah, I think it'd be fun to go see the Rolling Stones. Speaking of oh, old timers, that I don't know. Whoa. Fun is the right word anymore. Well, oh, just, I disagree. That was Sarah's first concert, and uh, I took her to see the Stones at uh, Soldier Field. Now, granted, this is near. This is. 10 almost 12 years ago now i yeah i would even say that was probably still on the cusp but yeah now i don't uh, the last time i saw them any footage of them it was it looked awful it's almost like just a thing to check off you know because how many like bands that are still fully functional from their basically the original lineup are still touring true yeah you know from that era anyway you know i mean even push it a little further into the 70s you know, even the Eagles. Yeah. It's it's hard to see a band like that. So just to check them out. As a high energy as the Stones were as a band, you know, right. I mean, it's like seeing the Who now, you know, and they're, and they're all just kind of like hanging around, just playing, you know, playing their guitars. <laughs> I, it's more of a, a checkoff thing, you know, just to say, oh, yeah, I saw the stuff. Yeah, for yeah, sure. A bucket list band. How about yeah. you, Mike? Who, who's yours now? Right now? It, it kind of it kind of the needle swings all over the place for me, um, but right now Nathaniel Raycliffe and the Night Sweats. Uh, I I was just talking about Nathaniel Raycliffe with one of my coworkers yesterday, and apparently he does an amazing live show. And, he saw him last year. Yeah, if you've seen any of his music videos or like like look at the ba- look at the song uh, "Son of a Bitch" or "I Will Never Grow Old" or something like that, it's one of those bands where it's like. 12 people on stage they've got like three sax players two bassists two you know and it's this old school r&b um i mean not r&b but like um blues kind of kind of bluesy i'd probably call them bluegrass bluegrass definitely trending almost towards rockabilly but more bluegrass yeah yeah but it's it's just one of those bands where i you have an artist where their song will come on, like when you're driving from point A to point B. A song comes on, you start singing along with it, you really get into it, and about halfway through, you look down and you're like, I'm doing 102. <laughs> <laughs> I know that one. It's like that kind of like, just real. I mean, and there are several of their songs of Nathaniel Radcliffe's songs are on my, uh, my morning, I need to get moving type playlists. So like Eugene Chatborn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's exactly that was like I was like Eugene Pat Chatborn. He sounds totally like Nathaniel Raycliffe. Um, <laughs> you're doing hundred two because you're trying to get away. Yeah. I can't uh, get away from this song. 
<laughs> yeah, Nathaniel uh, <laughs> Nathaniel Raycliffe is probably my right now that I would love to see them live. For you me, made me uh, think of one other one. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I just throw in one other one. The used. I haven't seen them yet. Anyway, you were saying. Oh. Uh, seven seven days ago, my answer to this question would have been different. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Hear it. Considering, Do tell, please. Considering my very favorite band, which once we get into the next question, I'm going to be talking about quite a bit. Like I just saw them, yeah, six days ago now. Uh, Pose of the Fall from Finland. But uh, now that I've seen them, uh, I, I, it would be cheating to say that uh, my uh, most wanted band would be to see them twice. Although it might be accurate. I think right now the uh, band I haven't seen live that I've heard is one of the best bands touring live, just period, in the game is Foo Fighters. Oh, yeah, I've heard that too. Yeah. Yeah, they supposedly just do like one of the best live shows you can see. I've never seen them. So that's probably my answer today. I had a chance on the Color and the Shape Tour. Andy at the record store got me tickets and I got really sick right before and I ended up not being able to go. That sucks, dude. Yeah, because I would have been able to see him fairly early on. Yeah, that's one of the things that I I kick myself about still to this day. What I love about the fact with them is that uh, I don't know how many how many years ago it was when um, what's his name broke his foot, and he just kept going. Yeah, Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl. They were putting him in a cast, and he's still playing. Yeah. Yeah, nicest guy in rock and roll. You know, he brings his daughter out to play, you know, because she's learning how to play drums. You know, he he is living the dream. I would love to see Foo Fighters. And he shares that, though. And that's the thing that makes you right. I mean, that's the thing that makes it cool that like he he brings kids up on stage to play music. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you see all these YouTube videos of him, you know, calling his people up on stage to play songs with them. Like like you're saying, his daughter there's that one going around where she came up and sang, uh, there goes my hero. Yeah. And I think what it is that I, or my hero, I'm pretty sure it's one of the things I've seen him say is that there's so many kids out there that are like, they believe the only way that they're going to get famous is going on America's got talent or going on one of these shows. And they're never going to know playing in the dive bars. They're never going to know sleeping in the van. They're never going to know that whole struggle to get to where he was when, when he was with Nirvana. I mean, they nowadays people expect it to be like, Oh, I'm going to go on America's got talent. Suddenly I'm going to be famous versus I'm going to struggle all the way through this to get to famous. Like, like Dave Grohl did. Well, yeah. You look at a Justin Bieber who was on YouTube and next thing you know, he's, you know, the biggest thing on the planet. Well, and that's what they expect. Yeah. Who is Justice Beaver? <laughs> exactly. But that's that's the way a lot of people, because the, the media has changed. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way it is now. <laughs> Fucking Justice Beaver. <laughs> it's an office reference. Why did that hit me so funny? <laughs> it's a funny line. I mean, it is a funny line. It's not my I mean, line. I can't take credit for it, but it's funny. Oh, I wish I can give you credit for that. Okay. Nope. Dwight Schrute. Yep. Anyway, so since that's your current band, Josh, you said the next question leads us to... Well, yeah, because it's the last live music anybody's seen, and yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I win that right now, yep. unless someone went yep. to a concert in the last couple of days. No. <laughs> I just got back from one. <laughs> That's what he was doing. That's why he was late. Yep. 
So yeah, I traveled to Atlanta to the center stage arena to see Prague power to see specifically to see poets of the fall uh, who I've talked about a few times on the show before they're uh, progressive rock post grunge kind of dark uh, rock alternative. And they were sort of the odd man out for a festival is either power metal or Prague. And I, they're technically Prague. But uh, I also stuck around. I saw a little bit of Sorcerer, who are definitely like power doom metal. Jagpanzer, who are really kind of hard metal, operatic though. Like really hard guitars. And they almost sound like if someone's trying to make fun of 80s metal, they would sound the way Jagpanzer sounds, only Jagpanzer's being serious. <laughs> Like if you've ever heard Limousine from Homestar Runner, they kind of sound like Jagpanzer. Only Jagpanzer like absolutely shreds on the guitar. It sounds kind of like the Darkness or Steel Panther. Yeah, the other band that when we all saw the poster, we're like Caligula's Horse. That's a funny name. I am. I've legit been made a fan of Caligula's Horse or Seahorse, as that their fans call them. They're uh, an <laughs> Australian. Australian prog metal band. And at the end of their set, the entire crowd, the entire arena was chanting, holy shit, holy shit. Cause like even people who knew about them didn't expect them to just crush their set the way they did. That's fantastic. And yeah, I I've gone and I've downloaded a bunch of their stuff and then poets. I, I never thought I'd get to see them without like spending thousands and thousands of dollars for a European vacation. And the guys were so surprised when they saw how many fans they had there. Like they were just awestruck by the number of people waiting in line to get their autograph. Sarah and I were like 10 and 11 in line of a line, probably of 200 people. Nice. And uh, we got effectively third row center. Like as soon as Caligula's horse exited, we immediately moved from seats down onto the floor and got about as close as you can get, aside from the guys that literally parked there at the beginning of the day and just never moved. Which, incidentally, the pictures with you and the band, I've never, I don't think, in a photo seen you smile as big as you were. Well, yeah, because after the set, uh, we had heard from one of the uh, organizers, because several of the organizers were hanging out with our group uh, of hardcore fans, and in particular with me and Sarah, and one of the ladies who was pretty smashed mentioned that there was one of the hotels had a real nice outdoor area that sometimes the bands will hang out after their sets. And we decided that nothing was going to top poets. So we didn't see uh, either of the next bands. We skipped the headliners who were demons and wizards. If you're into power metal, that's a lot of people traveled. There's the other big band that people went to Atlanta to see. Well, we got some dinner and stopped for drinks and we're about to leave the hotel where we've been told bands occasionally go uh, and just go back to our hotel. And I noticed the bassist from poets walk in and Sarah uh, sees him right after I do. And she's like, is that, I was like that. I'm pretty sure that's him. So we went over and we hung out, talked with him for a little bit and got each got a picture and we're walking out and the rhythm guitarist and the keyboardist are in the middle as we're walking out and we hung out with them for a little bit and also got a picture. That's like the first time anybody ever noticed the basis first. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Pat. Yeah. Like uh, probably the two people most 
anyone would recognize uh, Marco, the lead singer, and Ollie, the lead guitarist. They actually weren't there, or at least weren't there by the time we left. But we were just thrilled because you're kind of that's what we were hoping for going there was to like maybe meet one of them. And we met half the band and hung out for a little bit. Nice. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And that's a, that's a great period to the sentence of that whole trip. Right. I mean, it was one thing to see the band, but then to actually meet them, talk with them, hang out, get photos. I yeah. mean, it was yeah. perfect. It was the perfect end to that day. That's awesome. And seriously, the, the, the look on your face was just sheer. Like <laughs> I, I've, like I said, I've, I don't think I've ever seen you smile that big in a picture. Made me happy just looking at it. Yeah. I'm I'm so happy for all the people that came there specifically for other bands or just had never heard of them. Like there's a lot of people that were like, Who are these guys? I've never heard of their set and became instant fans seeing them live. Nice. It's one of the nice things about live music. One of the stranger I don't want to say stranger bands that I've seen. Gen Con twenty something or other, me and Joe Aberino went to go see the the band that uh, Gen Con has actually had multiple bands, including They Might Be Giants, which I missed. Um, I forgot to talk about seeing Violent Femmes in a crowd of like only 500 people. Yeah, yeah, I'm sad I missed that one. Oh, you didn't dude. miss They Might Be Giants, Mike. You sat next to me. Yeah, you were with us. No, no, no. They Might Be Giants played Gen Con when they were in Milwaukee. Oh, okay. So they played them twice. I was like, yeah. Am I taking something? I, I'm pretty no, sure. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I saw I, I, we were with it. Yeah. In Indy, we were at they, May, they Might Be Giants. I missed the They Might Be Giants when they were in Milwaukee. I did see Violent Femmes with with Philip Glass at Gen Con uh, Milwaukee one year. Where it was one, and, and that was kind of trippy because it was like they had a whole bunch of like garage bands coming up and playing like one song. And, you know, everybody, this is back when Wizards of the Coast owned Gen Con. So in an amazing display of bad decision making, they were like, all right, if you're over 21, you get a wristband and you get unlimited drinks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was the night that we tried to drown Josh in that fountain right off of the main drag in Milwaukee. Oh, Um, remember that? Yeah, that was a night. Um, Well, it started with. It wasn't it wasn't Violent Femmes, but it, I believe that was uh, Big Bad Voodoo Daddy was supposed to play that year, but they skipped out. Violent Femmes was kind of weird because like they had a whole bunch of like local bands get up, they play one song, and they leave, and then this guy walks up on stage and he's wearing a gold lame trench coat, and this is like two thousand and one, and gold lame trench coat, huge like um, Elton John type sunglasses on. Everybody looks over, says, "Oh." Yeah, garage band and goes back to what they're doing. And he walks up to the mic and just goes, The day after today. And the whole crowd turned and realized that it was Gordon from the Violent Femmes. <laughs> so they played a set, and then suddenly Philip Glass shows up and plays with the Violent Femmes. It was one of the trippiest concert I, concerts I've ever seen. Um, later on, like I was saying with Joe Aberino, when Gen Con finally moved to Indianapolis, there was a cover band called ACDC, <laughs> which was an all-female ACDC cover band. I remember him and I walked, you know, we went to the concert, showed the badges, we get in, we're up on stage, you know, close to the stage. And we're like, ah, we'll see how well this goes. It's a cover band. It's got kind of a gimmick. And then we could see backstage 
where the bassist and the drummer were kind of like warming up, tuning up for the show and passing a bottle of wild turkey between each other. <laughs> and I remember looking at Joan like, this is going to be good. That was an amazing show. Most recently, I got to take my girls to go see Fallout Boy at Wrigley Field. This is not something that I could afford. This was a gift from from somebody that I work with. And it was amazing. It was one of those weekend-type things. We came in the night before. We got a hotel room. We stayed downtown. We had seats on the outfield of Wrigley Field and were only one section back from the stage. My younger daughter, Sophie, is a huge Fall Out Boy fan, and he she's also a big fan of um, the bassist for the band. Totally forgot his name. But she was like, I'm not, you know, I'm totally, I'm good with this. I'm all right. We're, you know, I'm, I'm not going to freak out. They come out on stage. She immediately started crying. <laughs> and he was just like, ah, just like holding. In the meantime, Katie's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing music. It's fun. No, no emotional connection whatsoever. She was just having a great time. Uh, about halfway through the set. Oh, Pete Wentz. That's the guy. He's the basis for uh, Fall Out Boy. So about halfway through it, Katie looks at me and she's like, I got to go to the can. <laughs> I'm like, all right, we're in really field. It's over there. She looks at me and she's like, no, I'm not going by myself. I don't know. I don't know where to go. So I'm like, all right, I'll go with you. We're in, we're in an area that one of the uh, security guards was nearby. So I'm like, hey, take a look at, keep an eye on her, could you? We'll be back in like a minute and a half. We'll be back. Okay, cool. We leave, come back. When I come back, Sophie, my younger one, is in full shuddering tears. Like, I come up to her and she's like, <laughs> that, that whole thing is going on. I'm like, what the hell happened? I mean, we were gone for less than five minutes. Find out that Pete Wentz had run from the front stage to the center stage down the aisle that she was right next to. And she was less than six feet away from him when they made eye contact. <laughs> nice. And she lost it. I mean, just he, he, he was right here and I got to see him and he and he's so short. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's my problem. On the good side, my girls got to see their first concert experience was on the lawn at Wrigley Field. They had an amazing time and loved it. On the other side of the coin, you're never going to be able to match that again. What do I do? I mean, outside of having whoever come to the house and play for them in the living room, what? How do I beat that? You'd have to get Mel Torme to come play for him. Oh no! Oh, Velvet Fog. <laughs> According to Google, Pete Wentz is five six, it, and he is literally an inch shorter than Sophie is. So, but no, I mean that was. I mean, on one side, I'm excited that that was their first experience. They had an amazing time. Afterwards, Sophie was like, my life is over. I have nothing to look forward to for the rest of my life. But that got over after like 48 hours. She was okay with it. But, you know, from a parent side of things, I'm like, how do I beat this? I got to get them to some local bands that are playing for free somewhere because otherwise... <laughs> You don't beat it. You just let them enjoy that one memory. 
Yeah, they had they had a great time, and and honestly, I will say I had a great time too. It really was a great show. I mean, there was I mean flames and the whole stadium rock type thing. It was great. It's it, it was that was that happened last year, and probably I will take that whole thing to my grave as one of the best daughter father bonding experiences that I've ever had. And that's what it's all about. Yeah, you know, in the end. The last live music show I went to was at Out of Space. Laura and I went and saw Julianne Hatfield and Liz Fair. And it was a good show. It was good. Lots of pictures on Facebook if anybody's interested <laughs> from that show. But uh, they both put on a really good show. And then they did a, a couple songs together, too. So it was a good time. Patrick? Uh, last one I saw was Ghostland Observatory, actually. They had a New Year's Eve show, and I went to that one. Last concert I saw eight months ago or nine months ago now. That's sad. Why is that sad? Because I usually go to a lot more concerts. Oh, I was gonna say the last one I saw was like June. Before last week, it was a, a while for me, so I, I wouldn't feel that bad. I I mean I I usually go to about about one or two a month. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. They might be giants was the last one I saw before Julianne Hatfield and Liz Fair, and that was last year. <laughs> last year. So, I mean, there's a lot of music in Houston, though, too. I mean, well, there's a lot of music in Chicago, but not not so much in Rockford. Well, no, but, you know, Chicago's only an hour, an hour and a half away, depending. Mm. So, I've been to a ton, a ton of concerts, but probably the best one I ever went to was Stevie Wonder. That was, It was amazing. He, he had no opener. He sang for almost three hours. He sounded amazing, and he sang every song you could possibly ever want him to sing. Ribbon in the Sky. Ugh. Yeah, <laughs> and some of the ones you didn't want him to sing. Yeah, I just called to say I love you. Did I tell you guys the story about seeing uh, John Fogerty in concert? Did he play center field? He did actually. Yeah, it was the first concert where he was able to play a bunch of CCR stuff too. And it was the first concert. It was the first concert I went to after my dad died, and it was also my dad's favorite musical artist of all time. So it was kind of a you know a really bittersweet type thing you know we had a, my sister and I went and we had an extra seat that we had bought originally for him so we left an empty seat there you know for him you know just kind of like in spirit he was there and it was an awesome concert and his lead guitarist was this really really young kid and he, but he was just shredding everything and just killing all the songs and you know Michelle and I were both like I don't know who this kid is but he's you know he's really good. And when it came time for him to introduce the band, he saved him for last. And he's like, lastly, on lead guitar, my son. <laughs> huh. And we're all like, oh, yeah, okay. That makes sense. <laughs> I get not, it. Not only, not only does he have the jeans, but he's been playing the song since he was in diapers. John Fogarty wears diapers. Well, now he does. Well, he might now. Yeah. yeah. Ah. And then another great concert I saw was uh, Radar Yankovic on Navy Pier, the tour after the. Um, with the saga begins came out. Oh, the mandatory fun? No, no, no. It was literally it was the saga begins. That was it was that tour. Oh, okay. oh it was that tour? Oh. Yeah, because he actually came out to Aurora not uh, about two years ago, and it was one of those things like as I was leaving the train station because the concert venue is across the street from my uh, train stop. I was like, oh, Weird Al Yankovic, and I looked it up, and it was like three hundred and fifty dollars. Damn! Backstage passes and dinner with Al. Oh shit! I'm like, that's what? amazing. I'm like, that's right, definitely I, worth it. 
I was like, I can completely live with the fact that my wife would be mad at me for spending $350, but I get to have dinner with Weird Al Yankovic. And he seems like such an amazing dude. He really does. And I cannot recommend his concerts enough. They are amazing. Seriously. So what about you guys in the local live music? Is there anything nearby that you guys are that you can go like, hey, I want to see something live. I know I can go here and go see it. Actually, one of, one of my regulars at the poker room is a, a, lo- a local musician. I go see him all the time. Stevie Wonder goes to your poker room? <laughs> yeah, we just tell him what he has when he turns his cards over. <laughs> you win, Steve. Yay. Yeah, I, I can't really think. That's not really my usual scene. Like uh, Going to see live music is pretty much uh, an event for me now. So, yeah, that's, that's not really something that's part of my life. Yeah, I mean, there's places around here. Through Laura, I know several musicians that are working in the area, but I have, as of yet, to go see anybody here, locally anyway. Strangely enough, I'm 40 miles outside of Chicago, and there's a ton of live music. Two Brothers and all the local joints downtown, including like um, Fitzgerald's. Well, not, Fit, not Fitz, is, um, it's an Irish place. It's also in down- Bally Doyle's, yeah. There's a Bally Doyle's out here also. There is a lot of live music out here. And it's easy to get into nine times out of ten. It's just come on in, buy a drink, and you're into good. You're in and you're good. You don't have to like penny cover or anything. Uh, my hope is that when both of the girls are old enough to get into everywhere, that they will be able to say, Hey, I remember seeing this guy before he was famous. Well, Chicago's a good place for that. Yeah. It's happened more than once. <laughs> Heck yeah. Josh, what about you, man? You got any good local places that you go to now? No, that's, that's not really something I do. Yeah, I, I work, I sleep, I play video games. That's basically my life. <laughs> <laughs> my, if I'm not getting on a plane to go to a concert or like buying tickets to go to one of the big arenas. And I see live music all the time because I'm still in bars a lot with the, my lifestyle and industry. So. For sure. That makes sense. Excellent. So, Joel, next week, what are we doing? Uh, we are going to uh, hang out with some Skeksis. From what I, I, don't wanna do, I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to be talking about uh, the Dark Crystal. Smell yeah. like Gelfling. Look so. like Gelfling. If you guys want to tell us about your favorite concert experience, or uh, maybe you saw one of the bands that we saw and had a different experience, uh, give us a call. Let us know about it. The uh, number again is 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Yes. And if you're looking for our older stuff, it's iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Podverse, FM, NewFM.com, and Podchaser. Come on, give us a review. Give us a call, like Josh said, and then... Uh, Next week, come on by because it has been way too long since we've heard any more Dark Crystal lore. Boo. (laughs) I gotta go clean up a goddamn mirror now. What are you looking at me like that for? Clearly, you're not in any danger. (laughs) Jesus Christ. The hell?
What was that? Uh, my bathroom mirror literally just fell off the wall. <laughs> like you need any more bad luck. Right before Friday the 13th? Holy shit. Friday the 13th and a full moon. God damn. <laughs> Are you okay? Come in here. Okay. Let me crawl through <laughs> All the right, hang phone, on. buddy. <laughs> <laughs> no, my uh, sister. Well, she can come too. I I literally walked in here and turned off the water. I was I was uh I was running a huh? I haven't even gone in there, Michelle. I don't know. It wasn't him. We were there. Jesus. He's been sitting right here. Hi Michelle. Yeah, obviously. Everybody says hello. (laughs) No, I said hello. I'm uh, modifying a joke that Sarah just made. Your house ah. is so depressing that uh, Bloody Mary committed suicide. Ah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Now i got seven years of bad luck coming. <laughs> can't, can't wait to see what happens. Add it to the list. <laughs> Maybe you'll double back. Maybe it'll go so far around. At this point, isn't it pretty much just put it on my tab? Right? It's going to be like getting so drunk you sober up. Everything was going fine. I still can't believe my fucking mirror just shattered. (laughs) I can. I kind of can. Well, yeah, I kind of can, too. Yeah. Yeah. What the fuck is going on with my life? The mirror's trying to warn you. (laughs) Oh. This next seven years should be interesting. Maybe it'll work retroactively. Maybe it'll be like, oh, shit. He's already got that. <laughs> He's already got a balance. <laughs> yeah. Could be like asteroids. You'll roll the machine. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe it's like Pac-Man. Everything will start going a little glitchy, you know? It's maybe. Yeah. Maybe you can just pay it forward. Ooh. Hmm. Broken mirrors for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm following Joel's advice. He's just smashing mirrors with a hammer. <laughs> pay it forward. <laughs> 